What's up, guys? Welcome to the Zenfluence Podcast. I'm sitting down with a special guest, Morgan J. Ingram, originally from Atlanta, Georgia. He's the host of the STR Chronicles podcast, and he is a LinkedIn sales influencer and just a very knowledgeable guy. He's been featured on Forbes, Sales Hacker, HubSpot, the Harvard Business Review. And one thing that really stands out with Morgan, especially when I see him on LinkedIn, is how he mixes his personal brand, stuff like video games or books that he likes into some of his sales and, and his teaching. And it just really makes them stand out. So I guess with that, Morgan, I just wanna pass it over to you. And I know that like when, it, when I think about sales, it, I feel like it's such a valuable tool because you're able to express or communicate your ideas. And I think like for anyone out there watching this, the reason why I wanted to you know do a podcast, kind of a sales themed one, is because if you have some idea or insight in you and you can't express that, then no one else will really know it. And I think someone like you, Morgan, has have mastered that. So I guess I just want to pass it over to you, Morgan, and um, I guess if you could explain a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I'll take it back, you know, just as Jeremiah was saying there, I'm born and raised out of Atlanta, Georgia. And as most people, if you're listening and you are in a sales background, you probably had no intention of getting into sales at all. Uh, I, I didn't. I wanted to originally be a sports agent. So I saw Jerry Maguire show me the money. I was all about that. And I was like, cool, like this is exactly what I want to go out and do. And I've graduated with sports management and finance from the University of Georgia. And once I got out of once I got to my senior year, I realized that this is something I might not want to do. And then as I got towards like the end of like about to get graduated, they said I had to go to law school. So I really had to take a step back and figure out, okay what did I want to do? Because for four years, like I just wanted to be a sports agent. I'd done the research. I talked to people and I realized the more I talked to people, the more I had conversations, the less I wanted to do it. And the glamor and whatever you saw it as was not that. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I ended up going to a local networking event in Atlanta. And I talked to this, one of the, one of the people there and he said, Hey, you know, you should go reach out to this company called Terminus. They just got 7 million funding which to me is like, okay, that's, that's a good amount, right? So like, I should go check that out. And I cold called the VP of sales and then I got the interview and that's how I ended up getting the job. So I started off as an SDR sales development rep. For those who don't know who that is, it's cold calling into accounts, emailing into accounts, scheduling meetings. That was basically building pipeline for the business. And first three months sucked. They weren't that fun because uh, I wasn't good at it. And then over time I got better uh, through coaching and just being self-disciplined. And then I ended up creating the SDR Chronicles, which was a documentation of my journey as an SDR and giving people real-time insights and tactics and just telling people the struggle that was being an SDR from my perspective. And that ended up growing my brand on LinkedIn to ultimately getting me promoted to having 13 reps on my team, which was really exciting. You know, still talk to those reps nowadays and, and they're, still, they're doing amazing stuff. So shout out to that team. And then from there, I got approached by John Barrows. So was called J Barrel Sales Training at the time. Now it's called JB Sales and we have multiple people on the team. But when he reached out to me, there was only him and his CEO on the team. And he offered me an opportunity to join his company, right? And to go do sales training. And I that was really weird for me at the time because I'd only been doing sales for what, two years? <laughs> and like, it's like, hey, go be a prospecting trainer. And that I was like, okay, I don't really know how that's going to work. But, you know, we had multiple conversations and now I've been doing this for the past three years. So I've been the director of sales education and evolution for three years for JB sales and training teams, you know, we trained Jeremiah's team and trained Google and Salesforce and the big companies that you all know about Slack. Right. 
And so that's been my journey so far and happy to be on this podcast to share insights. So hopefully that's helpful for you all out there. So I guess one thing that kind of stands out with you, Morgan, is what initially drew you to being a, like when you were younger, wanting to be a sports agent? Like that's so cool how you went from like interested in being a sports agent to yeah. get to the sales path. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was seeing Jerry Maguire like that. That movie like really sparked my interest a lot. And I think also as well, like I was really big into sports. Like I watched a lot of NBA, right? A lot of college basketball. And and also I have a like a finance type brain. And I also was like, all right, well, I'm good at talking with people. So like being a sports agent should be pretty easy, right? Like I played sports in high school. Um, we went to state championships. We won state championships while I was in high school. Like I understand that high school world, at least. Uh, I didn't play any college basketball or anything of that nature, but I was like, all right, I at least know sports. I've studied sports. I, if I know how to talk to people, this should be work. This should work, right? Like this is me thinking back in high school, right? <laughs> like without the knowledge I have today. So that, that's what led me to wanting to be a sports agent. So, so what would you say like going back to when you played sports in high school, what was that experience like? And what did you learn from, you know, doing that? So high, high school sports was a huge learning lesson for me because when I was in middle school, I had a huge growth spurt. So I was taller and, and stronger than most people. And also I had a lot of athleticism and I, and I didn't have to like practice a lot for it. Mm -hmm. So it like naturally came to me. So I was able to get tons of rebounds, tons of points. And I was, you know, I was crazy back in middle school. So I was, I was just bigger and taller than everybody else. And so that helped me to get in the starting five, helped me score majority of the points. Right. And so my doctor told me that I was supposed to grow to like, to be like six, four, six, five. So like, my thing was that like, I was like, all right, I'm about to be, the most dominant person like in high school right i'm gonna be dunking on people right and the thing is like i was playing the four right so for the, what the four is it's a power four so like i wasn't I, no handling right no shooting like it was all bounds like blocking people like that was my thing like i was just dominating people and the thing is that my growth spurt never happened oh holy so so i was waiting for this growth spurt but i it didn't occur it just didn't occur. So because of that in the off season, I wasn't practicing my dribbling and shooting. I was practicing mm -hmm. my interior moves, interior defense, et cetera. I was going to, because I knew the growth was coming, right? It didn't. And so when I went to go try out for the varsity team, the first time I didn't make it because I didn't, I didn't practice for those things. And so I didn't, I didn't get on the team because I was so focused on this growth spurt that was going to happen. So here's the thing is that, what I learned from there is that you can't, you can't rely on external factors, right? So one, one of the things to relate to that to sales is that you can't just rely on your, of your marketing team. And from a perspective, if you're an AE, your SDR, right? You can't wait on them to help hit your goals mm -hmm. because what if they don't, then you're going to be like, Oh, well, I didn't have like, and that was with me, right? I was waiting on this growth spurt, but it never happened. So then I was like, oh, I didn't get the growth spurt. That's why I didn't do these things. Well, I should have been practicing that anyways, because it would have made me even better if I had the right dribbling handling skills and the shooting skills. I should have gotten a trainer to do that. But I was so stuck in getting this growth spurt and I was so lazy on like not focusing on those other things because I didn't care about it. And I only wanted to focus on my interior that I didn't do the other things. And so I ended up not making the team. So the next summer I had to focus on on that but the thing is like i didn't focus on enough level because i only focus on enough stuff for me to make the team and and my dad said something super important to me and like i apply it to to my career today because i just learned a lot of things in high school he was like hey like there's one thing to make the varsity team there's another thing to be impactful on the varsity team 
Like, think about that, right? It's, it's, yeah. Right? It's it's one yeah. thing to to get promoted to an AE. It's another thing to be impactful as an AE. It, it's one mm -hmm. thing to get promoted to be an executive. There's another thing to be impactful as an executive. Right? Those are two different things. Are you trying to coast and be like, yeah, I'm on the team? Or like, no, like, I'm on the team and I bring valuable input here. And mm -hmm. so that's the thing I learned from high school. And I remember my junior to senior year, that was that was the most meaningful to me because that's when I just trained all summer, did all the cardio, did everything, right? And I went from being the sixth man senior year to being a part of the starting five, like basically like all the way through up into like the championship. And so that, that championship that we won senior meant way more to me than we won junior year because we did win a junior year and I was part of that, but not really. Like I didn't get as much time, but like senior year is where it really took off for me. But I remember the reason that it took off for me is because I was doing that stuff in the off season and I never worked that hard in the off season between junior and senior before. Yeah. Well, like, I feel like that's such a valuable lesson because, you know, I feel like for some people out there, maybe they were so like, maybe they're in the same situation as you where they're expecting this big growth spurt and then it hits them and they never like that could have crushed their entire dreams. But like you kept going, like you tried out the next year and you kind of pivoted and I think that's something that applies to sales as well as just like being able to adjust and, you know, like, I guess coming back to high school, like, how do you like adjust that into college? Yeah. So when I went to college, like from, from my perspective, a lot of it was now focusing on practice feedback. So I was really like, I was, I didn't really ask for like a lot of practice feedback with basketball. I think it's one of the things I, I wish mm -hmm. I would have done more of or found different ways to get insights. And so when I got to college, what I ended up doing is if I just found ways that I just I thought about things, what were people weren't doing? Because in, in high school, I always did what everyone else was doing because like, you're just trying to be part of the crew, et cetera. So what I should have been doing is going to coaches or going to other people inside of the athletic department and ask for feedback and help. And I should have just gone to, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon who played on our team, he's in the NBA now. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like he was on our team. Like yeah. Malcolm Brogdon was, I guarded him every day in practice. Like he was on the team. I should have just gone in and be like, dude, I know you're going to the NBA. Can like you help me? Like I should have came in early into the shooting with him. Mm -hmm. I should have been asking him what he's, I should have been doing that. But in high school, it just wasn't in that mindset. Like I just kind of was like, yeah, I'm on the team and we're in a private school. So I'm going to go all the parties. I'm going to talk to all the girls. Right. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's your mindset in high school. You're not thinking about like, wow, we have a future NBA rookie of the year player on our team. Like, mm. I didn't know that, but I should have known that. You see what I'm saying? Like, based on what he was doing, like we had Malcolm on our team. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, what am I doing? Right. So what I learned, what I did not learn is like, all right, I need to just take things a little bit more seriously. So for like first year, the first semester, I got presence list. And I was, ne I was never like the best at school. I was like average, like I didn't care about school, but I like, remember like I challenged myself, like, no, nope, I'm gonna presence list. Now, how did I keep a very high GPA in college versus high school? I think in college, what I, what I did differently, which I don't know why a lot of people don't do it, is I went to everyone's teacher office hours and I became best friends with all my teachers. Oh, where I had their cell phone numbers, their email, like I knew about their life, right? So mm. I would get the I would get the hookup. Like I remember talking to a teacher and I had like an 85. I was like, yo, I need an A. And he was like, I got you. And it went from an 85 to a 90. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just like mm. stuff like that. But I, I went to go talk to the teachers. It wasn't just me like 
showing up to class and leaving, like I was continuously asking for like, hey, I wrote this paper. Can you help me here? Like, hey, I did this assignment. Can you give me some insights? Like, and because I proactively kept showing up to office hours, they were willing to give me more. I think that was probably the biggest switch for me in college is that I was willing to experiment and try out different things. I, mm. I was willing to, that's when I started thinking outside of the box. Like I started reaching out to different people. Like I remember I cold emailed the owner of the Atlanta Hawks and he gave me a conversation. Shout out to Bruce <laughs> Levinson, right? Like, like the thing is like, but I was willing to do things outside of the box. Like I remember just in high school, I put myself in a box, but then in college I was like, no, nah, I'm just gonna do everything that like no one thinks is possible. Like mm -hmm. I remember going to these events where I'm the youngest person and I'm just like trying to soak in knowledge. So like, I, that's when I started like to truly be like, okay, I want to be a learner here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I guess what made you decide to go out and, cause I, I would say that that's salesmanship, like being able to communicate your message there, like yep. going to those teaching hours and actually just forming a quality relationship, expressing like, cause I think that's at the end of the day, so valuable. Like if you don't know how to, you know, communicate to your teachers and they can't really help you. And I yep. think they, they see that they appreciate that, right? Like it shows 100%. that you're trying to improve and um, people are willing to help. So like, how would you say someone could develop that kind of like quality or is it like, do you think you were born with that or do you think you developed it? That's a good question. I feel like I was born with it, but I've honed it over time. But I also think you mm -hmm. can develop it develop it, but it, it's about have genuine curiosity. And the thing is like, do you have that? Cause if you don't have that, then you got to figure out why you don't. Mm -hmm. Right? Like genuinely being curious, like, do you actually care? Cause if you don't actually care, then it's a whole deeper conversation with you on why you don't. There's something, there could be something happening. I will say that I honed it over time. And I just, the thing is like, I was just curious when I saw the office hours, I was, I wondered in my head, like how many people actually go to them? That, that, I, I remember we were in the cell, so I was like, okay, who actually goes to these things? Probably not a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember going to my first one and I had a couple questions around a material that we just shared. And I was like, I'm actually just curious. This might be a weird question, but like, how many people come to these? And the teacher was like, yeah, I probably get one to two students a year. Mm -hmm. Then I was like, all right, so that probably is one to two students a year for everyone else. So if I do it consistently, then I'm probably going to be able to get insights that no one else gets. So I ended up getting study guides that no one else got, uh, updates on certain things that people didn't get, right? And the thing is, is that like, I learned better in a one-to-one -one than a, in a teaching setting. I'm like very ADD. I have like mild dyslexia. Like I can't, like I'm not good in group class settings, especially the way that people teach nowadays. Like it has to be very dynamic for me. So I've learned better if I just go to you one-on-one -on -one and just talk to you, you know what I'm saying? Be like, all right, cool. Like, what's up? Like, what's going on? So that again, helped me across the board, just get a better understanding of what was going on. And then obviously once I got an understanding of what was going on, then I was able to take the teaching office hours insights and then move forward from there. But it really just comes down to like genuine curiosity. And I feel like I've honed it. I feel like I have it and I've honed it. If you don't have it, then, I mean, that's a conversation you gotta really figure out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I find that really cool, Morgan, that you had like kind of these natural abilities, but you honed it, honed it, and it makes sense that to see that you're a sales trainer now and you're kind of a big influencer in uh, you're a big influencer in that space. Like, I don't think it was by accident, right? And I think like the cool thing is, how would you say someone out there who's maybe listening to the podcast 
they have this inclining of some of their natural abilities, but they don't know like which direction to go or how to like how to get to a position where they're kind of doing something similar to you, like tapped into some of their strengths. Like how, yeah. how you can find that. Yeah, I mean, the best way to do that is you have to take a moment and be with yourself and write down a couple things. So I did this recent, I, I mean, I do this exercise quite frequently, actually. I did this about two weeks ago. And one thing that you should write down is, and you don't have to, this is the key thing. You don't have to have the answers. Like. Mm -hmm. I still am figuring things out along the way. Like I'm not coming on here and be like, guys, I figured it out. <laughs> like, like I don't have all the answers, but I do have a documentation and process that has worked for me so far in the system. So first thing you need to write down is like, what's your mission in life? Now here's the thing, this can change. Just because you write this down doesn't mean like it's set in stone, right? But like, what is your mission? Is it to be a speaker? Is it to be a great supporter to somebody? Is it to be a photographer? I, again, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what everyone's mission is, right? But you need to write that down. Then what you need to go from there is write down your strengths, write down what your things you can improve upon, or maybe your weaknesses, and then write down a couple of career paths that you would like to go, right? And then also another thing that's really helpful is go look at Instagram, right? And there's probably people you follow that are celebrities and ask yourself, why do you follow this person? Mm -hmm. Like, what's your purpose here? Like what stands out to them? And then figure out, okay, that stands out to you. So like, maybe those are things that you need to start building for yourself, right? Or maybe you need to go in that direction to figure out like, how can I become more of this person in terms of their career, right? And so those are things that I've done to help me be more mindful about where I'm going. Because once I have those things written down, it's really helpful. And one way to do that and then none of you guys are gonna like this answer, but if you do it, you'll thank me for it, is 360 reviews. So Jeremiah, I don't know if you've done 360 reviews before uh, or, or, or know I, what it is. I don't know what it is, but it sounds interesting. Okay. okay, so I'm doing them right now. And this is gonna suck. Like I'm gonna tell you all right now, it's not fun, but after it's it's transformative. And so what it is, and I did it in college, I'm, so it's actually five years since I've done it. So I'm doing it again to see like, has anything changed or am I a worse person or whatever. But yeah. uh, what you do is you go to, I mean, you can you can go as far as you want with this, but I'm gonna tell you what I do right as of right now. So I go to my girlfriend, uh, my all my close friends, not just random people, close friends, immediate family members. If you wanna go extended, that's fine, but I do immediate coworkers and mentors. And, and then if you want to go super deep, I'm not going to, I'm not, I did this five years ago, but I'm not going to do this now is you can go reach out to your ex-girlfriends, right? People, ex-boyfriends, whoever you dated, like, and you can ask them this too. Right. But like, it's up to you, right? I'm not, I'm not going there right now. Cause I got my girlfriend. I'm not doing that. But the mm -hmm. thing is, is that like you have three simple questions that I ask, right? So this is actually, it gets deep, right? But it's three simple questions. Hey, what's something that I do really amazing and better than everyone else? or it can be something or things, right? Two is what is something I need to change or consider improving, right? Or stop doing. And then three is what is advice that you have for me outside of those two questions that could be helpful in my life just in general, just life advice. Mm -hmm. And you get really deep with people, man. Like I've just gotten really good feedback. And by me doing this right now, I've just had more genuine conversations with people that are in my life and they're willing to be open with me because I'm asking for it. And now I know, oh, wow, I do that. Like, I didn't know that was annoying to you. That's just what I do. And now I can make sure I'm doing the right thing. So I did that five years ago. 
after I graduated college, I'm doing it again because it's been five years. I'll probably do it every five years just to get a pulse of like what's going on and make sure I'm growing in the right way. Cause it, man, it just changed my life. But like, that's what I would start doing. Here's the thing. Most of you all won't do that because it's scary. But if you want to be great, if you want to take yourself to the next level, this is something I highly recommend you do. It does suck. I would recommend starting off with what do I need to change? So you can just get that out the way. I just want to hear the constructive criticism uh, and I'm not good at handling it. So what I normally do is I, I have like a notepad and I'm like, Hey, like before we start this conversation, whatever you say, I'm going to write it down. But those are things that you can be doing. And, and I'm telling you, man, even if, even if you, you've heard of the story, even if you do it, like you'll notice the change that you'll have going into next year. I know it's a mandatory for me to do it next year. If I want to have the year I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, I totally agree with that. I think that that's definitely probably really hard to do, like, especially get like actively go out and seek constructive criticism. And I think it takes a certain level of like humbleness to just be able to go do that. And it's, it's actually pretty scary because I feel like with that, another cool thing through that is like, you can even find out some of your natural strengths. Like some, some people maybe out there, and I know this happens with me is like, I didn't really know what I was really good at, but like people used to say back in the day, like, Oh, you should get into sales. You should get into sales. And I didn't know why I was like, Oh, that's kind of weird. Like, but they always said it. Yeah, It's like, what? (laughs) That's not me. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is like, I was actually, I actually like it. Right. And I think that people can kind of sense, especially your close friends and family members, like they can kind of, sense a lot about you that you might not see in yourself yeah and and that's the thing is that you're gonna get so many different perspectives that you're gonna be like yeah i, I got this mm-hmm. and and the thing is like it's little things and it's all out of love and the cool thing about it is when you do it with those people they appreciate you more like throughout the conversations i've had so far i've just gotten deeper with those people because mm-hmm. they're willing to just be way more open with me and I'm looking for that. And the thing is, when that happens, people are willing to be more open with you moving forward. And so, yeah, I mean, anyone listening, everyone that's listening here, like if you end up doing it, hit me up uh, again. It, I can give you those questions if you all want it so you can do it yourself. It's three simple questions, but prepare yourself. Like if, if, here's the thing, like you don't have to be as aggressive as I'm being. You could literally do it with like four people. Like mm-hmm. when I did it at the beginning, it was 10 people. Now I'm, I think it's like 25 people I'm doing it with. But the thing is, like, I know I need it. Mm hmm. So, so you typically do this with people who are close and you trust them. Like you wouldn't do this with someone who you like. You, no, you I'm not going to do it with like a hater. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, Hey, can you get like, they're, they're not going to give me good advice. I'm doing people who are like close to me. Like they know me. They've like they're close friends, right? Girlfriend, boyfriend. If you aren't dating someone actively, I'd highly encourage you to go do an ex, right? That's what I did. That was really helpful to go talk to my exes about things. So I could be better moving forward with dating. Uh, if you're comfortable with that, but you just got to find people who are close to you. You don't want to get a random person's opinion. Like, oh, this person likes my post a lot. Let me get their opinion. Like, no, this, this is people who like know you on a deep level and they're willing to give you that advice. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so that's called the 360 review then. 360 review. Yep, 360 review. And the thing is, is like, you know, if they ask you to do it for them, like, that's awesome. But like, I'm not really looking to do it. Like, I'm not looking for them to turn around and be like, hey, I want to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's smart, dude. I've never like heard that, but like that makes so much sense. Yeah, and it's it's just it was just incredibly incredibly helpful for me. So like again, I would encourage everyone else to do it. That's how you're really gonna figure out your strengths, your weaknesses, and where you stand. Like, and the thing is, like as long as they're they should the strengths should be pretty consistent, and the weaknesses should be as well. And mm-hmm. you and you'll notice you're not as surprised by them. You're surprised that people may pick it up. 
and like you've been doing it and you're like, oh, I don't notice that. And then you're like, oh, shoot, you do notice that. Like I do do that a lot, right? So the strengths should not surprise you. The weaknesses should not surprise you as much. There will be a couple outliers where like, oh, wow, like, I didn't even realize I did that. But most of the time, you know, but it's good to hear again from someone else. And they might say it in a way that like is like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, no, that, that that is sweet. Well, uh, well, yeah, we're gonna guess from this point. Um, why don't we dive more into like sales and understanding like how to do it for anyone else who's new out there? Yeah. Like, I guess first of all, like, what does sales mean to you? So, sales at the end of the day is a puzzle. I recently just finished a puzzle with my girlfriend, right? And so, when you start off with a puzzle, what do you do, right? You look for the edge pieces, you look for the corner pieces. Mm right? And you build from there, then you have to continuously find those pieces and pictures that connect and start, okay, these are all yellows, these are all the oranges and the reds, etc. So I see sales as a puzzle, because the end result at the end of the day is always the same is we complete the puzzle. However, how we get there is always different. So when it comes to sales, you have to figure out a formula or process for you to, in order to be successful. So I would say, hey, two plus two equals four, but three plus one equals four, four plus zero equals four, right? Zero oh, plus four yeah. equals four, right? But the thing is like, I can get to four multiple ways, right? Four divided by one, two times two. But the thing is, is that they're all different ways, but mm -hmm. I'm still getting to four. And so it's a puzzle because I can build a puzzle different ways. I could start and do left, right. I could do one image each and then connect from there but i'm but that's it at the end of the day i'm always gonna get the finished puzzle and so sales i see it as really just a puzzle and you have to figure out what what questions to ask how to ask them when to ask them when to include people but it ultimately is just a formula and a process mm -hmm. every single time and as long as you have the form and process down of what to do then you have to build up your skill sets within those to be successful mm -hmm. So I guess, Morgan, for anyone out there who maybe they struggle with like communication or just say like someone who would be a non-salesy person, like yeah. what would be the value of that person understanding how to like either sell themselves or their ideas or just communicate their message with the world? Yeah. So I'm not really a salesy person. I never wanted to get in sales. I'm not, I'm not pushy. I'm not aggressive at all. But one of the things that uh, two things is one, get better at asking questions to yourself and to others, right? That will allow you to communicate more effectively. Uh, two is to recap things that you are hearing from other people. So in sales conversations, I always do like quick pit stops and be like, hey, you know, it sounds so far like this is what we're looking to accomplish or like, hey, based on what you talked about, this is where we're looking to go. So I always want to recap what's happening so that the conversations are fluid and they're and they're and we're good, right? Because if I'm not able to recap or articulate or state points on what we're talking or discussing, then it's not going to be helpful across the board. It's just not, right? So I got to make sure that I'm doing these things. And so as you're communicating your points, ask questions to yourself so that you can write out those answers and then show them to others, right? That you work with. And then number two is make sure that you're always restating points that as you're having conversations with people and that will allow you to really articulate it as well. And one of the things that you can do is if you're saying something and it's a new thought and you're putting it out there, never, I don't, I don't like this question. Asking people, does that make sense? Like, don't ever ask that. Like one thing you can ask is, am I making sense? So you can put it on yourself. Like if you're articulating something and you haven't really said it before, you can be like, am I making sense? 
because then the person could be like, yeah, not really. Can you explain yeah. this in more detail, right? So you got to put it on yourself because when you put it on yourself, people are willing to be more open. But if you say, does that make sense? People are just going to say, yeah. But you got to say, am I making sense? And then people are like, yeah, you know what? That makes total sense, right? And so you got to put it on yourself in there. But those are two things. One, asking questions to yourself, but to others. Two is recapping conversations that will get you better at communicating just so you can just shows people that you're listening to them. Because yeah. if you're not, if you don't repeat what they're saying, then they're just going to feel like you're not paying attention. So I guess like for all the students that you've kind of trained and people you've taught when it comes to sales, like what would you say is like, what would you say is the thing you've learned from kind of teaching these people? And then on the other side of this question, uh, yeah. like what would you say are the top things that the average person struggles with when it comes to sales? So the first part of that question is what are some things that I'm, that I teach to people that go through trains that's helpful for them? And then what is the other part that people struggle with? Or, or I guess like, what have you learned personally from just being like a coach and a mentor to yeah. these people? Yeah, I would say number one is, it goes back to what I talked about, but not giving people what you do and saying good luck, but being able to break that down into the reasoning from a psychology standpoint on why that works. And then also as well, the reasoning on a formula and a process and a structure. And the thing is, if I can't do that, then I shouldn't be coaching or training you anything. Because if I just say, hey, for example, right, you went through the training. If I told you, Jeremiah, hey, go make videos and I didn't give you a formula, how how beneficial would that be for you? Yeah, it, it would be hard to do, right? Like, right. The thing is I would know what to do, but I just like without the extra detail, it's hard to like put it into practice. Exactly. It's like Michael Jordan coming to you and being like, yo, just dunk like me. That's how I do <laughs> yeah. it. He'd be like, what? Okay, I, okay, I see it. I get it. But how are you doing? What's, what's the process behind it? Mm -hmm. Right? So if I can't articulate the step-by-step -step of how I got here, I can be like, yo, Jeremiah, this video, video processing is fire, right? And then I send you just <laughs> videos that I've done and say, hey, good luck. And I don't break down the formula and how I do it. You're going to be like, yeah, cool, Morgan. Glad you can do it, but that's not helpful for me. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the biggest learning lessons that I got is that you have to make sure that you're breaking down things in formulas and structures. Otherwise, people won't pay attention. And I learned that just from feedback I've gotten. And now I'm like so formula driven that like everything I do is like, yep, no, there's a formula. So like, you can't be like, oh, how do I do this? It's like, nope, this is exactly how to do it. You just have to do it. And that goes into like what people aren't doing. We'll talk about that in a minute. Number two is what I learned from a coaching and training standpoint is that you always have to contextualize for your audience. So if you have people in Canada or Europe or Asia, you have to talk about those things. You can't just be like, Hey, I'm from America. Good luck. It's like, no. Okay. I know you guys are in Asia. This is how I, this is what I know about Asia. I know you're in India. This is what I know about India. Mm -hmm. For example, they don't do voicemails in India. They don't do voicemails in Singapore. So I don't talk about how to do voicemails there. That doesn't make any sense. Okay. Voice messages for people in Asia are more impactful and they get higher conversions than they do videos versus videos here get higher conversions than they do voice notes. The thing is, I got to know that. If I don't know that, I'm just like, yeah, this works, guys. Good luck. I, I got to contextualize it based on people I've talked to in that region or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And I think number three is, and what's been the most helpful is after every training, I tell people, hey, walk away with three things you're going to do. This training is nothing without execution. I always let people know that. Like, just because you learn all this awesome stuff, it doesn't mean anything if you don't execute on it, which goes into like my other point here, which is your other question is number one, a gap, obstacle, struggle is it's hard for people to just to be consistent. So when, when you think about 
prospecting and sales, if you break it down by the numbers, it's not as hard as people think it is, right? So I'll give I'll give you just a, a simple example. Let's say if you did five personalized videos a day, right? That's a that's twelve. So that's a hundred videos for a month. That's twelve hundred videos for a year, right? Let's say that your conversion rate will keep it super conservative. Is that a ten percent? Let, let's actually let's let me say that. Let's say ten percent out of the twelve hundred turn into meetings. Mm-hmm. That's 120 meetings you schedule for the year. Let's say that your ACV is, well, that's 120. Let's say that it's 20,000, right? So what? 120 times 20,000, if we did the math real quick, right? Let's just do the math. Let's just, let's break this down. Like, see how simple this is for people. That's, if I'm looking at this correctly, that is 200, well, that's one, two, three, comma one two that's 2.4 million dollars in, in pipeline holy <laughs> look just that was simple math i just did five videos a day right a hundred videos for the swap and you get a 10 percent meeting rate right that's me being like super conservative right and you have an acv of 20k you just got 2.4 million dollars in pipeline mm-hmm. and all you did was five videos a day the problem is, is that can you do that every day? That I mean, after training so many people and talking to people and talking to top reps and people who struggle, it's because you're not doing it every day. And guess what? We all struggle with this, right? Consistent execution. It's my thing for next year. It's like, oh, more and I hit my goals. Okay, are you are you doing the thing I just that five personalized emails a day? I think if you add on ten five personalized emails, right? Let's say if you did ten of those. Right, that that just jumps up to a whole new number, right? So if you times that by, I think it's two on that, then you're probably getting like four million in pipeline, right? If you do this, you see what I'm saying? Like, the biggest obstacle is being having a consistent execution and not letting your excuses be greater than the outcomes you want. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, things change, you know. And I've been I've done consistent execution for six months, and I noticed a consistent execution for six months was better than what I've done for three years. Holy. Because I because I did it every day. It wasn't like spurts of like, oh, I did one month, I'm feeling good. It's like, no, every day I got to do this. Like, there's no exceptions. I got to do it. Well, there's the quote in like the, I think it's like in the sales world for the insurance company, for insurance companies, but it's like sales, hardest, simplest job. It's, like, yeah. it's really easy. Like, it's really easy and like, but, but, people, but people make it very hard, right? Yeah. And I guess, like, what would you say, like, separates, like, the beginner to, like, the professional? Like, an amateur to a professional? Like, what do you see? It's you the see? little steps. It's are you following up, right? Mm-hmm. Are you asking the right questions? Are you asking for next steps after every single call, right? Are you articulating what the agenda is going to be for each call? It's the little, it's the little steps that I've noticed. Mm-hmm. And it's not any magic trick right or secret formula that someone's doing it's because they're so good at their little steps that make it impactful uh intermediate or beginner person will miss the miss the middle steps or miss the little steps because that's what's going to help you get these bigger opportunities you got to guide people along the way and so at least that's what i've seen across the board but i mean i would say the biggest obstacle is that and also everyone looking for a handout and a shortcut this this role from a sales perspective as the, it's the highest earning potential that you have out of any career right besides being like a doctor or a lawyer etc 
So for people looking for handouts, I don't understand that because your earning potential is so high, yet you're looking for the handout here. Mm -hmm. Like lawyers and doctors, they didn't get any handouts. Like they had to go to law school, right? They had to go to medical school to earn that. So I don't, I, I'm always confused why people will hit us up and ask for what's the secret email template that's gonna get a 100% reply rate. I have no clue, right? And no one else does. And if they tell you, you should run away from them, right? I think at the end of the day, it's this is all about consistent execution and like who who's gonna be willing to outlast themselves and grow into a new person that can do this consistently. And that's that's the thing, man, is that like the biggest obstacle for people is that they're looking for the shortcut and there are none. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess like for anyone out there who uh, maybe isn't in like the sales role, like what, what do you think they can take away and incorporate kind of a sales aspect into their normal lives? Like maybe it's they're working in like a kitchen or they're working as a, you know, as a lawyer or something, but like, yeah. like what, what, what general sales principles do you think they can incorporate to just help improve their lives and the communication? Yeah, I would say improving the communication standpoint I, mean, I mentioned it earlier i think always recapping what people are saying reiterating those points getting in front of them it's, it's really critical i think too just always knowing that you're always closing for some type of next steps and, and i don't know what those next steps are for you in your role because everyone's different but always thinking about like hey i'm always closing for some type of next step here and i got to make sure that i'm moving along the way mm -hmm. and then i would say number three you know from a sales perspective is always being very detailed on what is going to happen in your communications or recapping conversations again everyone's going to have different things that they do but if you're coming off an internal meeting or if you're involved with something like internal recaps and internal emails of recaps are really important it's, it's a lot of what we do in sales is recapping and reaffirming and what's going on i think that's another thing that you can add from a sales perspective again everyone's going to be different depending on your role but those are three things that you can just pay attention to to be helpful yeah, and then I guess another thing I want to dive into is more so about like how you have grown your personal brand. Like I think yeah. it's how like it's more than just like the sales training, but like I think that's a huge part that I see. I feel like you value a lot, and I feel yeah. like you have a lot of fun with it. And um, I think like in the modern world, like how does someone do that? Like how does someone do something similar to what you do and build like the Morgan J Ingram your your brand? Yeah out there like what what is that yeah i mean it's a lot of it has to do with the consistency right i mean i've been posting every single day for the past five years on linkedin you know most people they don't they're not around that much because they'll be they'll be around for what six nine twelve months but then you hit something where it's like are you going to be willing to be innovative and creative and try out new things and most people aren't my focus has always been when i first started off being on prospecting and sales development, I was very niche at the beginning and I've continuously expanded and I talk about different things now. I, what I've realized at the end of the day is that people wanna connect with you as a human. So what I did is, hey, what are the topics that I could stand out in terms of giving impact to people? And that's prospecting and getting in front of net new accounts. And like, I could talk about that all day long, but now to your point, Jeremiah, what I'm doing is I'm talking about gaming, right? I'm talking about music. You know, I'm going to start dropping anime content soon. So like, I want people to relate to me like in a different way and it, and it brings a whole different audience that I normally wouldn't get. But the reason I'm focused on these different factors, whether it is gaming or I'm talking about sports or music is that I want people to connect to me 
not just connect with me from a sales perspective. And so I got this from Roderick. He had a fantastic point and he said, Hey, sales is what you do. It's not who you are. And once I was able to take a step back from that, I realized like, Oh, well, sales isn't who I am. So who am I? Right. Oh, okay. Well, it's these other things that I do outside of work that you may not know about. And I've been willing to share that, which has created more connection to my audience. And they're willing to see me in a different light than just another sales trainer. Cause the thing is like, I don't want to be another sales trainer. It already has a bad rep anyways, sales coach, sales trainer. I'm, I'm not that I'm more than that. And that's what I'm sharing with my audience. Yeah. And it's, it's always cool to see, like, even on LinkedIn, I saw one of your posts on like Assassin's Creed and it's like <laughs> tons of like engagement. I'm like, wow, this just, it just makes you stand out. Right. Yeah. So, like, I find that like interesting. Like when you like post like, Oh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, like, this is <laughs> awesome. Like, that's always like, that's cool. Cause I'm like, oh, should I try this game? Like, what yeah. is <laughs> Yo, it's, it's fire. Y'all have to check that out. It's fire. Don't sleep on it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I guess like the thing is Morgan, like, how did you, like, I think what I found really interesting is like, how did you naturally decide to like build this brand for yourself? Like, how did you stumble into that? Cause it's like, you started working in this for that first sales company. Yeah. And then like, did you start building your brand there? Like, did you know? Yeah. So I was doing it way before I was doing Facebook videos, like motivational videos. And then from there I went to Periscope, which I don't know if you remember Periscope, which was the live. Yeah, I did. I did like three a day on there. So I already was like building brand, but the thing is like, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was going with it. I, I just, I just, I liked creating content. So I was like, all right, I'll make videos. I'll do stuff. But I didn't know. Right. There was no end goal. It was just like, let me make content, see what happens. What got me into the SDR Chronicles and sharing sales content was for two people. One was Ralph Barcy, who wrote a blog post back in 20, man, it probably was late 2015, early 2016. Now it was saying, Hey, an SDR should create a YouTube channel. And no one had, and the article had been out for like seven months and no one did. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. Like whatever. And then Gary Vaynerchuk. So shout out to Gary V. I had like a five minute conversation with him about personal brand as a sales rep back in 2016. And he was like, yeah, no one's doing this. You, you should do it. Cause everyone was hesitant about it. And obviously you see now everyone in the world's doing it. Right. But four years ago, five years ago, no one was right. It was only sales trainers and consultants, but I was like, I'm going to be a sales rep and I'm just going to do it. Like I'll be the first person to go out there. And I was. And so then that's when I created that. And so, the, so I had, I had external influences coming in to help me out there. So like, how did you even like, like before that conversation with Gary, like, did you reach out to Gary or? No. Oh yeah. So how did it happen? So the thing is I was at a conference, it was Rainmaker sales loss conference. He was the keynote and he talked about how you should be building a brand and only one or two of you are going to do it. And I remember we had a book signing. So I remember telling him, Hey, I'm going to do this. And he was like, Oh, cool. And I told him about it. Holy. Yeah. Well, I, th I think the cool thing about that is you're willing to like go out and like talk to these people, right? Like, yeah. It was a lot, even the fact that it kind of relates to that uh, story when you emailed the guy from the Atlanta Hawks. Yep. Yep. I feel like so many people wouldn't send an email or they wouldn't like uh, just reach out like that. And I think that's what I find like super special is like, that's, I don't know. I, I just, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate it's like seeing that because um, I don't know, like it's, it's cool to see. It's really cool to see stuff like that. No, I appreciate it, man. But, but think about it. Like you have nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. You don't have anything to lose. You're, you're, I always tell people like, oh, well, what's the data behind if I, I'm like, look, like <laughs> you, it doesn't really matter if you think about it because you're going to be in the same spot. If this doesn't work at all, you're doing, you're going to be in the same spot. If it works, then you just uptick. So like, 
logically, I don't understand when people say, oh, well, what's the data behind if I do reach out to these? Inf-? I'm like, there isn't really, if, especially if you reach out to like an influencer or someone of obviously that has a lot of following. But here's the thing. What if that person responded? What if what if 50 Cent responded to you? You know, what, what if The Rock responded to you? You might as well try, right? I didn't think the owner of Atlanta Hawks would respond. He gave me like 30 minutes. Holy. He was like a billionaire. Like we just, we just chopped it up. And then we, I followed up with him. And like, I remember talking to him again. Like the thing is people are willing to have a conversation. You just have to reach out. It's not, it may not land the first time, but what if it does? And that's what I was thinking about. Like what, what if it does? Yeah. Well, I feel like that's one of the biggest like kind of issues in the modern world is like, we're so connected. I feel like we're so connected more than ever. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like people have a feeling of disconnection in a sense. Like, it's like all the opportunities there. Like, you literally reach out to anyone on Instagram. Like, they could send you a message, like, over LinkedIn. Like, it's yeah. all there. But, like, for some reason, I feel like it's hard to still do that. And, like, I always wonder why. Uh, I think I think it's the just the fear of rejection, the fear of it not going anywhere, et cetera. Like, the thing is, like, I always think about the worst case scenario. So, let's that is the best way to think about anything worst case scenario for example i i stand socks shout out to stand socks so i've been tagging them in posts like forever right and i just wanted to send them a voice to see if they responded and just show love like yo i love your product right so here's here's what happens worst case scenario is they don't respond <laughs> best case scenario they respond and they're like oh you're awesome let's talk to you so here's the thing they did respond they said thanks morgan we appreciate the message happy holidays i'm on the radar now right they replied so I'm going to continuously hit them up, try to get a sponsorship because I want to get sponsored by Stance. But the yeah. thing is, like, they replied, right? Worst case scenario for the other people I've reached out, they didn't reply. <laughs> Guess what? I'm in the same spot I was originally. <laughs> so that, that's how that's how I think about it. And if you think about it that way, you're willing to do more. Like, I'm setting myself for a challenge right now where, you know, I'll pick two to five people every single day and just reach out. Like, maybe it's, an, maybe it's like Young Thug. I don't know. Maybe it's T.I. And I'm just like, yo, what up? really like your music. This song was really cool. Like, just want to show love. That's all I'm doing. Worst case scenario, they don't reply. And guess what? It doesn't matter because they have so many messages. They're not going to remember me. Right. But I always do a voice note or a video. So I'm memorable if they watch it. And if they do reply, oh, wow, Young Thug replied to me. So like, if you think about the worst case scenario and you realize the worst case scenario is you don't get a reply anyways. And guess what? If you don't do anything, you're not going to get a reply. So like, there really isn't a lot around it. This just comes back to, man, I'm, I'm, like dead set on this, it's all about consistent execution. Are you willing to do this consistently? Because the people who are willing to do consistently, they're going to stand out. It's shout out to Dave Ramsey. Oh, I love that guy too. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Dave Ramsey. He said, he said, I remember because we took him in high school, and I remember this quote. And I was like, this makes a lot of sense. He's like, you have to do things that people aren't willing to do in order to have things that people don't have. Like that hit home. He's like. You have to do things people aren't willing to do in order to have things that people normally don't have. So in order to have a conversation with The Rock, and you you probably should reach out. How many people are afraid to ever reach out to The Rock? Or they're asking for something. Hey, Rock, can you give me 100 million of your dollars? Like, no, I don't know you. But if you reach out to him to show love, right? Maybe he responds back and he sends you a video back. He's like, oh, no one ever just sends me love. That was cool. I like to connect, right? Because I didn't have a call to action. You see what I'm saying? Like the worst case scenario here is that like no one replies. The best case scenario is you get five of those people to reply and now you built a relationship. 
And, I, and the thing is, like, I know it works because I reached out to the Lone Atlanta Hawks. We had a conversation. I talked to the VP of sales at the NBA. Like, I talked to the GM of the Fox Sports South. Like, I talked to the athletic director at Kennesaw. Like, I know it works because I've done it before. Now, my issue has been not consistently doing it because I know it works because I get caught up in other things, and I'm willing to admit that. But next year, it's, nope, consistent execution. Like, these are non-negotiables for me moving forward to do these things because I know they work. It's just an execution gap. Well, most of us just have execution gaps. Like, we know these things work. We just aren't blocking our time out to do them. Yeah, and I feel like that's so powerful. So, like, literally, when you – so, the, I guess from a psychological perspective, like, you always think about, like, the benefit instead of the, like, worst-case scenario it doesn't really bother you because, like, it's just a no response. But you think about the benefit of, like, what that relationship could lead to. And then that yeah. – that's why you reach out because it's, it's, it's just a, like, you're always going to benefit from it. Right. Like I, I totally see that now. Think about it. Like, even if you don't get any replies, you're going to get better at making videos. You're going to get better at getting voice messages. So at some point it's going to tick, it's going to hit. Right. Like just like with anyone where there was Tiger Woods or rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, like, or even Michael Phelps, like they had to hone this stuff, right. They probably weren't incredible from the get go. Kobe wasn't incredible from the get go. He had to actually learn these things on the way he didn't drop 80 points in his first rec game. He actually scored zero points in his first basketball game he ever did. And see, most people don't know that they only think about, Oh, well he won five championships. No, like think about what he did at the beginning. Like he actually wasn't amazing. And he admits to that, but he got better because he practiced the things that nature. So the mm -hmm. thing is like, if the best case scenario is like all the way up here, my worst, my worst case scenario is already where I'm at. Then what are we, then what are we even thinking about? Like your worst case scenario isn't gonna be someone replies to you and say you suck, especially if you did a voice note or a video, right? The worst case scenario is you just don't get a reply and you wasted what, two to five minutes that you're probably gonna use to watch Netflix and just lounge around and do nothing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like when you weigh it all out, it, it kind of makes, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, well, I think like part of that too is like, it's cause I struggle with this all the time, just trying to do stuff with like YouTube yeah. or podcast is that I think like I always see, I feel like people naturally seek position or permission. Like I know I do like, like should, should I send the email or should I not? Like it just yeah, like yeah. hesitancy there. And then like when you wait too long, you just like don't send it. And then not, it leads to nothing. Yeah. Right. I think that that's the weird part about this world is because like kind of the gates are open. Like, it's yeah. like all the they are. It's just like, do what you gotta do. Hmm. But, um, but yeah, I guess like that kind of dives into this other part and like for anyone out there who you would say is like kind of aspiring to do something similar to you, like build a personal brand for themselves and, you know, put out content, like yeah. content creation, like what advice would you have for someone who's just starting off and just, you know, maybe a little bit uncomfortable and just doesn't really know what, where to start with it. But yeah. So a couple of things, one is write down five to eight topics that you feel very confident in addressing. Don't don't bring up, don't do topics that are cool and the market likes, like do stuff you can talk about because you're going to get sniffed out if you don't talk, if you talk about things that you don't know. So you don't, you don't want that, right? So you want to focus on five to eight topics you genuinely can talk about. You can go toe to toe with anybody or you're knowledgeable enough. And then also knowing what kind of medium you want to deliver your content on. I'm a video person, then I'm an audio person, and then I'm a written person. My writing needs improvement which is one of the things i'm focused on for next year so you got to make sure that you have that on lock too and then i would say the other part is figuring out who are you looking to serve like who's your audience 
right? Mm -hmm. I know my audience. And one thing that I do as a side note to that is as I started out, you're going to get one or two, three likes and don't be discouraged and be like, woe is me. Like everyone starts out that way, right? No one blows up and gets a million likes for for a post. It doesn't happen like that. Very, very rare if it does. So what you can do is, and what I did is how I really built the community is every time I had a like or a comment, I'd reach out to them directly and say, hey, thanks for liking my content. What else would you like to see from me? So I just asked people's feedback on what they would like to see instead of me guessing. And that's how I continuously built. So like, if you want to start off your brand, that's a way of going about it. You obviously have my advice on the 360 interviews. Like, don't sleep on that. Definitely do that as well. Well, yeah, Morgan, I guess I just want to thank you for coming on. And I have a couple more questions for you, but just, uh, but just, yeah, I just want to thank you. And I appreciate like all the stuff you do, man. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Even seeing you on LinkedIn, like every time I see one of your posts, it's like inspiring and yeah, man. really appreciate like that personal brand aspect or like the personal stuff, like the video games, the books, like it just really stands out. But, um, but yeah, I guess like where, where do you think people can find you and learn more about what you do? Yeah. Best places to find me are on Twitch at Morgan J. Ingram. We'll be doing more streaming next year. So check that out. We're going to have a lot of fun over there. And then Instagram at Morgan J. Ingram as well. You can connect me on LinkedIn. The reason I'm saying this last is because if you send me a connection request, I can't accept you. I'm at the cap. So I don't want anyone to complain about it. So that's why I said, go to, go to Instagram. That's easier. Go to Twitch. That's easier. And then I guess I have two more questions for you. So these are going to be a little bit more deeper questions, but I'm going to hit you with them anyway. Okay. So, but yeah, so like, let's say if you had to go back to Morgan J. Ingram around the time when you were about to get that growth spurt, right? When you're in the doctor's office and they mentioned you were about to get that growth spurt, what advice would Morgan now give Morgan back then? Yeah, I would have immediately said that's cool. Yeah, I would have gone and gotten a, I would have, I would have gone and gotten a dribbling coach like probably the best and I would have convinced my dad to get me the best or I would have just figured it out myself and I, we would have been doing two a days during the summer I wasn't doing anything during the summer dude like we we're just playing video games so like I could have easily knocked out an hour workout in the morning and an hour workout in the afternoon and done that consistently what you have about three months off when it comes to summer so if you do that from an hour breakdown that's about 40 what 120 yeah 120 hours of dribbling 120 hours of dribbling I should be I should be I should be good coming into the season right so that that's what I would have done differently to be honest it would have been every single day we're doing dribbling drills and I would have been so good at dribbling that everything else would have been fine like my shooting my shooting would have gotten better and like I would have done some shooting stuff too my shooting actually got really good like as I got to my senior year so I actually wasn't worried about that but dribbling is where my biggest hang up like I couldn't dribble effectively as any of the other other guards so I ended up getting the ball stolen from me. I ended up turning the ball over. And like, that's the reason why I didn't make it. But if my dribbling would have been up to par, I would have been, I might, cause my passing was good. Cause I was a good interior passer. Cause I normally got doubled and things of that nature. My rebounding was off the charts because I was getting so many offensive rebounds. My defense was always really great. Cause I always guarded the, the quickest person or whatever. Cause I, that's just what I was always stated at. My dribbling was so low that it brought me down. So that's what I would have done differently. Okay, so I guess the message there is kind of practice on your weaknesses. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, actually, I don't believe in that. I more so like talk about like and like focusing on your strengths. But I need like when it comes to writing, it's the same thing for me. Like I need to get better at it. I don't need to be the best writer of all time. I don't need to be the best dribbler of all time. I just need to improve this area because it's such a it's such a large gap that it's not going to help me get to the next level. So 
I would have definitely continuously improved my jumping ability and blocking and things of that nature, but I needed to get better at dribbling. Otherwise, I was going to go nowhere. Yeah, and, and then I guess, no, I love that a lot too. It's like, because that's the thing too. If, if I feel like for that dribbling, if you know it's like really difficult to do, um, usually like pe people just don't want to work. Yeah. But, yep. but it's important to work on that stuff, right? Just to yep. kind of level you up all around. But what would you say motivates you in life? Like, where do you get your like motivation from? Yeah, anti-why is the most important for me. And I've talked about this quite a bit, but essentially at the end of the day, when it comes to the anti-why, like I think about what happens if I don't do these things. So what it all means at the end of the day is that if I'm sitting on my, or when I come to the end of my life, my wife is aloof, cheating on me, whatever. She doesn't like me at all. And then my kids all think I'm the worst dad of all time. And they think I'm a loser. My parents think that I'm a complete disappointment and I've done nothing with my life. All my close friends don't respect me whatsoever. And I'm basically the bottom of the barrel in the group. And then right before I die, I see the person that I was supposed to be and no one shows it to my grave. That's what motivates me every single day. And it's super dark, but it, it keeps me going <laughs> like just straight up. And I want to be the best impactor of all time. And I want to motivate people and things of that nature, but like that anti-Y drives me more than anything else by far. It's not even close. Yeah, well, I guess I have one more question here, but if you have one message to just share with the world, like kind of on a billboard or just all around here and they would hear it all at the same time, what would that be? Eliminate your negative noises. And so that can mean a lot of things, right? The voice inside your head, the negative environment. I think at the end of the day, we, we love negativity and we don't drive towards positive things. I always got... I make I got made fun of a lot when I graduated college for being positive rather than being negative. It's kind of weird. Like people will hate on you for being positive. It's like I'm just trying to help people out. Right. So the thing is, like, I would say eliminate your negative voices inside your head. Other people like you got to get rid of them in order to really be successful here. There you have it, guys. Morgan James.